Hello and welcome to 10 Minutes on a Hopeful Manifesto for Refugees, a podcast from the Joint Public Issues team. My name is Hazel Lee, I'm one of the JPA interns and joining me today is Steve Tinning, who is the Baptist Union's Public Issues Enabler. Hi Steve. Hello Hazel. In anticipation of the next general election, political parties are planning their pledges for election manifestos. The Joint Public Issues team has been thinking about what pledges we'd like to see. This is the third of six special 10 Minutes on podcasts offering our thoughts on what would make manifestos truly hopeful, based around JPIT's six hopes for society. We hope to inspire you to think about what your hopes for party manifestos might be, and perhaps you can write to your MP or a political party to suggest them. So with that in mind, I think we'll start by thinking about why one of our six hopes is for a society that welcomes the stranger. So why, Steve, should Christians want to see a society that welcomes a stranger? What does it mean and why should we care? Yeah, th- thanks for asking. I I think this is one of those um, hopes that just has very sort of Christian language around it, doesn't it? It, it perhaps mm. is a bit ethereal, but it's important to understand why. It's because it comes directly out of Scripture and from a parable that, that Jesus told in Matthew 25. And it says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory, the King will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, for I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. And then there's that verse, isn't there, that we don't talk about quite so much, but it's the counter verse. It's the warning, perhaps, to those on the other side of the king. It says, depart from me, for I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me. So you've got those two ways that society can approach the stranger and those in need. And in the parable, people are baffled. They're saying, when did we see you in need or when did we see you um, hungry and thirsty and and, and a stranger. <clears throat> and the king says, look, I tell you, just as you did not do it to the least of these, you did not do it to me. So it, it is clear, or vice versa, you know, that the, those that you did for the least of me as you did for me, it's clear here that there is an expectation of those who claim to follow Jesus to welcome strangers as though they are welcoming Christ himself. And so we're left asking, well, you know, who are these strangers that we're talking about? But specifically, it's the least of these, those that are poor, those that are oppressed, those that are without. And throughout so much of the rest of Scripture, there are similar calls to the Israelites, particularly to welcome foreigners as citizens, reminding them of their time of of displacement, in Egypt. So, you know, today we find ourselves uh, looking for a better society and we translate that to mean we hope for a time when our society will look on those from other countries, especially those that are fleeing war and persecution, those with need for food and shelter and hospitality with kindness and compassion and generosity and brotherly and sisterly love. But of course, you know, that's far from the truth at the moment in recent years. And indeed, right now, policies are being developed and debated and passed that dehumanise and criminalise the very people that we should be treating as if they were Christ. Mm, absolutely. Yeah, such a powerful kind of biblical mandate behind this this hope, I think. Yeah. Um, so based on that idea of a society that welcomes a stranger, Steve, you've come up with three kind of pertinent hopes for party manifestos. And what we'll do is we'll go through each of them one at a time and just chat a bit more about what they what they are, what they mean and why they might yeah. be important. Yeah, um, so the first one is immediate withdrawal from the Rwanda scheme to ensure no one seeking asylum is forced to be sent to a third country before their claim is fairly assessed in the UK. Now, I think 
all of us will have heard quite a few things about the Rwanda scheme over the last sort of year or so. I wonder why this specifically is the top of your kind of three hopes for, for refugees. Yeah, I mean, there are so many things that we could ask for in here, but this is a particularly nasty policy that I just think needs to be called out for what it is and 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 scrapped. But for those that perhaps don't know quite as much about it, it's a policy that essentially, if it gets through various legal challenges, will permit the government to send many people that are claiming and seeking asylum in the UK to Rwanda on a one-way ticket against their will with the expectation that they'll claim asylum there. There would be no expectation that the UK would first hear their asylum claims first. And so there is evidence that a good proportion, over half of those who would ordinarily meet the threshold for asylum in the UK, will be sent away. These are people from countries like Iran and Syria and Afghanistan and Yemen who you know, have strong precedent and understandable need for asylum because of war or famine or desperate hardship. And the UNHCR, this United Nations High Commission for Refugees, have said that they believe the UK's announcement from the Migration and Economic Development Partnership with Rwanda will mm. externalise the UK's fundamental obligations to people seeking asylum in the country. Mm. The partnership proposes an asylum model that undermines the established international refugee protection system and it risks the arbitrary denial of access to asylum and lacks realistic durable solutions for the refugees affected. And that may sound all very you know, rule-based, it's not going to work, it breaks the rules, but we have to remember that those rules were put in place to protect the most vulnerable people in the world. Being a breaking of those rules is a denial of all the moral things that we spoke about, uh, Scripture having a mandate for us. It is clearly a scheme that does not reflect our biblical expectations of hospitality and generosity, and it needs to go. Mm, absolutely. Um, so our second hope is to allow asylum seekers the right to work if their asylum claim takes over six months to be processed to ensure adequate housing and financial support to those unable to work or find work um so why is that one a particularly important um policy that you'd like to see yeah i, I the current part of asylum system um can easily those that are in the current asylum system can easily experience deep poverty and poor health mm -hmm. And in many cases, destitution. I mean, this assumes that there is a future for the asylum system, but we'll put that to one side for now. Many families are just not able to pay for the most basic needs of clothing and, and thing, provision for their children, nappies and, and milk. It can take months and in many cases years for the Home Office to make a decision on an asylum application. And during that time, asylum seekers are offered minimal support, many having to live off less than £7 a day. So JPIT have uh, been long-standing uh, members of a campaign called Lift the Ban, which is a 260-member-strong coalition of charities and trade unions and businesses and faith groups wanting to see asylum seekers given the right to work and therefore the the, the dignity and ability to provide for themselves and their families. Yeah, really important. And we'll be talking more about kind of poverty and the way JPA approaches poverty in, in a future episode coming up next week. Um, and then our third hope for refugees is to expand resettlement programmes, including more family reunion routes and a specific route for unaccompanied children to prevent asylum seekers needing to use more dangerous routes. Um, do you want to just talk a bit more about that, Steve? 
Yeah, I, I guess this. The, the, so many of the policies, including the Rwanda policy, according to the government, are designed to prevent asylum seekers risking their lives on the English Channel, which is something that none of us want to be see. We don't want to see people risking their lives crossing dangerous waters. And, of course, to break the business model of organised criminal gangs. Those are the reasons for, to justify these rules. But, of course... If there were safe ways for those fleeing war and persecution to come to the UK to seek asylum, they wouldn't have to risk their lives. It's common sense. And, and that in turn would break the, the business model of the organised criminal gangs. It's not about having open borders. We're not just saying people should be allowed to come. There are good reasons why we cannot just accept anybody that wants to come. But what is required is is deep international cooperation to understand what is our fair share. The, the worldwide refugee crisis is, is extraordinarily challenging. But without those international relationships and cooperation, then we can't understand what our fair share is mm. and those that we are best suited to support. But JP have always held to supporting unaccompanied children and, and, and children that uh, need to be reunited with their family. So we would certainly want to prioritise those two, those two safe routes, those that have been scrapped since the dub scheme uh, went down and since we left the EU, those rights for unaccompanied children and, and children needing family reunion are desperately mm. uh, in need. And that's why we've prioritised those. But safe routes in general have to be part of a solution to a more moral and ethical uh, immigration um, system. Yeah. Yeah. Really important, important work for protecting the most vulnerable um, yeah. among the refugees, particularly. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure there's people who've been listening to this podcast who are already passionate about refugees or maybe who weren't before and are more interested now. Um, so I'm just wondering, Steve, if there are specifically for those people, where are the places they could go to maybe find out some more or get involved in campaigning or supporting refugees? Yeah, I, I mean, obviously the place I'm going to direct you to first is the is the JPIT website. We, mm -hmm. We've got a long-standing commitment to this hope and there are many resources and briefings and, and uh, template letters that you can find on the JPIT website. So go there and search for the illegal migration bills, search for uh, the right to work, search for Rwanda. Uh, just have a look around this aspect of our six hopes. That would be great. Mm -hmm. And if you want more on the lift to ban um, uh, uh, campaign particularly, you can find that at refugee-action.org.uk. Uh, refugee They've got much more to say on that particular campaign. Great. Thanks so much, Steve. And thank you all for listening to this episode of 10 Minutes On. I'll be back next week with another guest to chat more about JFIT's suggestions for hopeful political party manifestos. For more from the Joint Public Issues team, you can go to our website at jpit.uk. That's jpit.uk. And if you've enjoyed this podcast, please do share it around. Thanks so much for listening.